Welcome to the Fit Strength Performance Podcast, where you will be informed, educated, and empowered in order to take charge and take action so you can reach your athletic and or fitness goals. The only way for you to get stronger, faster, and better conditioned is to be consistent every day, all year long, doing things that will ensure your mind and body are strong and resilient. If you're ready to make changes, then let's go. Welcome to episode 48 of the Fit Strength Performance Podcast. Today, uh, I'm going to wrap up 2022. So this will be the last episode of 2022. Um, so we're 48 episodes in, and you know, I, I just want to highlight some of the great conversations, some of the great topics that I've been able to have with athletes, parents, coaches that have really stood out to me. Um, you know, so that's what this episode is going to be about, but, you know, but just a, a quick recap, you know, this past year has been awesome at Fit Strength. You know, we've had, you know, I've been able to hire my first few coaches, you know, we've had some, some highs and lows, some ups and downs, some learning curves, and we're still learning. Um, you know, so right now we got, uh, two great coaches that are helping at the gym that are really moving the needle forward. Uh, we've gotten to work with some great athletes. Um, you know, I know it's, it's always it's always on the forefront of, of gyms to highlight, you know, the, the cream of the crop, the athletes that are going D1, the athletes that are Section 5 champions, the athletes that are AGR, um, the athletes that have their name in the paper. Um, but we've, we've gotten to work with some awesome kids, awesome middle school athletes who, you know, coming in, we, we're looking at them questioning, like, you know, are we going to be able to move the needle, at, you know, sooner rather than later? And, you know, some of the results we've, we've been able to get with just some basic movements, consistency has been awesome. You know, so I'm super proud of all the athletes that have been consistent at the gym, super proud of the, the collegiate athletes. You know, we're going to have some D1 volleyball players who potentially could be starting. You know, we're going to we, we've had a couple high school athletes that have um, signed their letter of intent for some Division One sports. So it's just been an all, all, you know, ultimately been an awesome year. So to kickstart this, you know, I'm going to dive into five standout topics, conversations that I've had um, with, like I said, with parents, coaches, athletes, something that has been continuously talked about, something, topics that have been on my mind quite often, and it just, they've stood out, you know, so I sat down, tried to think of the, the, the big rocks, the important conversations I've had, and, you know, I, I, I try to stay away from the fluff, you know, how to increase your vertical, how to, you know, how to get stronger, you know, and I, so I really um, dove into some topics that are outside the box that I really can, that can really move the needle forward for athletes. So the first topic is, is this idea of a stretch goal. To be honest, when I had, when I heard of this, you know, I was talking to a, a, an athlete's parent and the, the father said, Hey, these are our stretch goals. Or what do you think these stretch goals could be? And I, you know, I'm like, oh, great, yeah, flexibility is awesome, right? We want to improve our flexibility. That's definitely important. And you know, as I was thinking about that, I was like, you know, maybe I should Google this. And I literally Googled this. And when I looked at what a stretch goal was, I really thought that this is kind of the missing link for a lot of athletes. Because what's always taught to athletes, what's always um, discussed are SMART goals. Specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time and timetable. 
And those are great, you know, because those are, you know, those kind of goals are, you know, they are guaranteed achievable if, you know, the little things are done at a bare minimum, potentially a, you know, a little bit more stepping outside your comfort zone, right? So if an athlete wants to gain 10 pounds in, you know, let's call it six months in the off season, to me, that's a smart goal because in six months, if we look at six months, that's upwards of, you know, 26 weeks, 27 weeks, give or take. Then there's 54 weeks in a year, so 27 weeks. That would mean that athlete would need to gain, you know, if that would be one pound per three weeks. So every three weeks, you had to gain one pound, which is really, really, really easy if the athlete, you know, simply eats breakfast, lunch, and dinner, has a protein shake, and is consistent with that seven days a week, which isn't too extreme, which is pretty basic. Um, so to me, that's a smart goal. Now, if you think of a stretch goal, stretch goal, and I, you know, I remember listening to a podcast with Tim Grover, and he highlighted something that he likes to do in his talks. What he tells the audience is, everybody raise your hand. So do this right now, raise your hand. And what, then what Tim Grover says is, okay, raise your hand higher now. And what you realize is everybody reaches their hand higher. So the question is, why don't you know people, athletes, kids show up when they need to show up versus failing and or just committing, not achieving their goal, then starting to work harder, right? So this is what I think of, um, you know, because Tim Grover also said in that in that talk, you know, he highlighted that. People don't set their goals, set the bar high enough, right? They, they just don't, right? If you are a basketball player, right, you want to make varsity. Great goal. To me, smart goal. Because you got to be consistent with playing basketball every day, you know, depending on your level, right? I have some kids that are guaranteed to make varsity, and their goal is to make varsity, right? So to me, I question, like, why is your goal to make varsity if you already know and the coach has already told you, hey, you're going to be on varsity, Right, your goal then should be a stretch goal. I'm starting. I'm gonna start on varsity. Right? Those are those stretch goals that I think some kids are scared of. You know, I think getting extremely uncomfortable and having to do the hard things. And nowadays the hard things for athletes are saying no to their friends when they are, you know, messing around, just playing pickup where there's no context, there's no intent. Or you know, if you're the junior or senior or freshman in college and, right, the temptation of doing things with your friends on the weekends is there, you just saying, you know what, nah, I'm going to pass because I got to train in the morning. Or really identifying, like, what are your limitations in your sport? Because I see it time and time again. Really skilled basketball players who are unathletic still spend 80% of their time per week working on the skill. But the, the lowest hanging fruit, the limiting factor, is their performance. So why wouldn't it flip-flop and or be 50-50? And then I see kids spending so much time, and this is not a knock against AAU or club, spending time in AAU and club when the limiting factor, again, is the exact skill. Because in AAU basketball, if you can't shoot a left-handed layup, guess what you're going to do in an AAU game? You're going to go to the right. You're going to figure out a way to shoot with the right hand. 
you're going to figure out a way to go to your strengths because you want to win versus working on that skill that you're really limited in. So that stretch goal has to be something that is so beyond your comfort zone that really makes you sit down and figure out what do I have to do and if this is my goal, how do I work that much more harder to achieve this bigger goal? Right, so that's the stretch goal. And I thought it was a great conversation. I loved it. You know, I, it really made me rethink how I have conversations with my athletes because I look at some of these goals and I'm like, that's it? That's all you want to do? Right? Go above and beyond. Challenge yourself. Take yourself to, the, to a higher level. You know, so this is where I love that idea of a stretch goal. The second one, something that I've noticed a lot is youth athletes and athletes nowadays, right, they're, they're desensitized and or overstimulated due to the volume of games they play per year. So they're desensitized to being able to show up for a particular game. And I see this a lot when it comes to like, you know, during the season or sectionals or playoffs where it takes kids so long to rise to the, it takes kids so long to warm up. It takes kids so long to find, to play at their peak and a lot of times it could be the second half, the third quarter, the fourth quarter, where finally, you know, they may win by two and the coach is like, where was the second half in the first half? And I hear this a lot when I, when I have conversations with young kids and, you know, they'll be like, coach, I dropped 30 this weekend. I'm like, wow, that's impressive. How many games did you play? And that'll be my response. Like, I played six. All right, cool, man. Or girl, like how many, how many games did you have 30 in? Well, you know, the first two games, my shot wasn't dropping. So I had like six or eight, uh, you know, and then the second, the third game, you know, I, I, I just wasn't ready. You know, my body didn't feel right. And then, you know, the fourth game did okay. The last, then it was the last game, I dropped 30. And I'm like, so it took you six games to perform at a good level, right? You may have, all the coaches that came to see you may have bounced after the first, first two games. So how come you're not showing up the first game, the second game? Right, so I, I, I see this as a result of having so many tomorrows, so many other opportunities, so many other tournaments. Um, and I use this analogy with, with the kids that I work with that say, like, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And guess what, friends? Guess what, kids and folks and parents and coaches? There always is tomorrow, right? Today's Monday for me right now. So if I say I'm going to do it tomorrow, well, come Tuesday, guess what? Tomorrow is still an option because I can just say on Tuesday, I'll do it tomorrow. And I, and I hear that a lot, right? Kids, they, they have a weekend, they have a bad weekend tournament. Ah, we got eight more, eight more tournaments. I got this one next tournament, next tournament. But it's, but it's not this, it's not diving into, well, what happened this tournament? What happened the first game? Why didn't you prepare yourself appropriately enough? So, you know, to me, that's a red flag for, for athletes having this sense of urgency the ability to be mentally prepared at all times because you never know who's watching and you never know like who you're going to play where if you show up you know that puts you on the map that takes your game to a higher level that is a you know heightened transition to your mental state and then the second piece is athletes over overstimulated um oversensitized to um you know, to games and competitions. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I, I've had conversations with parents that'll say like, you know, ah, my kid had a bad game and he just, he or she just lost it. 
right? Like crying, screaming. You like they had to go up to their room. They couldn't. They couldn't be present. It lingered over to the next day. You know where I've had you know I'm a school counselor and I've had conversations with kids. And Monday, it's like where are you where are you at right now? It's like ah the weekend. I had a bad weekend tournament and I just can't focus right now. It's like you're in school though, bro. It's like come on, school. Like you gotta next play. You gotta go to class. You gotta do this test. Or it's like what happened to this test? It's like ah you know bad game, bad weekend. I just I didn't study and you know I just couldn't focus during the test because I was just thinking about the game. I'm like, well, you know, next play, you know, especially when it's AU and club, it's like you got a lot of volume. You got a lot more games. Like it's not the end of the world. Um, and then you got to look at kids who they have so much pressure on themselves because they're always being coached at all times. Right. They've done studies where they've realized by 18 years old, you know, kids nowadays have played, you know, 13 or 14 NBA seasons by the time they're 18 and have the chance to go to college. Um, so with that being said, it's like kids are always being coached. They're always being, um, you know, told like, hey, this is what you have to do better. This is what you have to do to win. This is what you have to um, do to get to another level. This is what we have to do better. You know, it's all this constant conversation. So they're always focused on their performance, focused on wins and losses. And then the anxiety builds up because if a kid has a bad game, they have a bad practice, they have a bad tournament, and they're constantly being coached and told what they need to do better, what they didn't do, why you know they didn't win, then anxiety builds up. So every game they're focused on, um, you know, I can't do this again because then I'm going to lose and then I'm going to do bad and I won't play. And it perseverates, it perseverates, it perseverates, right? So that that is a big red flag for for young kids nowadays. Um, you know, because the anxiety grows and it's just this push and pull, you know, so that's something that I've had a conversation about with parents and coaches. And it's something that lingers in my head as to why kids, you know, their anxiety is high. They're not performing at the level that they need to. They can't show up. Um, and, I, you know, I, I just think it's that reason that plays a role. Um, the third topic, the third topic that, you know, that popped up was this idea of speed training. Right. I have a lot of people that want to that come to my gym and they're like, hey, I need to get faster. Right. They'll come in. I'm like, I need to get faster, stronger, jump higher. I need to improve my flexibility. You know, I got to get rid of my knee pain. I got to get rid of my back pain. I got to improve. And I'm like, well, you know, that's nine things. And you're coming once or twice a week, nine things. And, you you know, I'm one of seven things you go to per week. Right. So you just can't do everything all at once. And, you know, eventually you got to let your body recover. But when I hear hey, I need to get faster, right? There's two trains of thought with speed development, right? Number one is, right, you got to sprint. You got you to gotta do the thing that, that involves getting faster. Because I got a lot of kids that come to me like, I want to get faster. And, you know, we'll do a little, you know, my, my facility is not the biggest where we can rep out flying 10s, 15s, you know, where we're doing, you know, we'll do 10-yard sprints. We'll, we'll do different shuttle movements, Right. But, um, you know, when I hear kids that want to get faster, I'm like, what do you do outside of here? And it's like they, they don't run. You don't ever do sprints. You know, so to me, it's like, all right, first you got to do sprints. You have to sprint to get faster. And then hopefully it correlates to your sport. Right. It correlates to, um, you know, lacrosse, basketball, you know, the 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 benefits of have of being fast will correlate to volleyball, all of those things. Um, so that's a that that's number one. You got to sprint. There's a law of specificity. And then number two, what's very, um, what's what's very common now is speed training and conditioning, 
they're going hand in hand now, right? So people think that they're doing speed training at the end of their workout because they're doing sprints. Well, that doesn't make sense because they're tired, they're exhausted, they're fatigued, right? You can't do speed training when you're tired, right? So you have to have this ability to, to perform at a high level but recover, Right, so when we do speed training at Fit Strength, when I do speed training with athletes, when I, you know, when I'm watching, you know, coaches do speed training, it's got to be the first thing within the program. It's got to be the first thing within the workout. You know, after the movement prep and the prep work, right? Then you go to your speed work because then you're fresh, and then you have to recover, right? So if I do a flying ten yard sprint, you know, I may need a one to ten ratio of, of work to rest. So if it takes me a total of six seconds to do a flying 10, well, I should rest, you know, 60 seconds before I do it again because my nervous system is is fried. But what we see is kids do a sprint, they sprint back to the line, sprint again, sprint back to the line, sprint again, sprint back to the line, and they're exhausted so they get slower and slower and slower versus sprinting, jogging or walking, recovering, and then sprinting. That's how you'll get faster. Right, and then you can start tracking how you know every every rep to really see and challenge your improvement. So the speed conversation is important, but we have to understand that if you want to get faster, you have to recover. Like you just can't do a thousand sprints and think every sprint you're going to get better. Right? There's different methods where you just sprint, and you know, let's call it, you know, if your best time, you know, for a ten yard sprint, you know, for forty, you know, was like a four five. You have to be under, you know, you have to be within a four six and a four eight. If you go over a four eight, you're done, right? It's too much in the system. You're just exhausted, right? And then you just you just monitor that way, because you got to make sure that you're 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 putting out enough effort to actually elicit an adaptation and then recovering. So that's that piece about speed training. Um, so I think we're on three. That's that you know that that was our third. Our fourth one is footwear. Footwear is so important. I can't tell you how many times when an athlete comes to my gym, I'm looking down at the shoes, first and foremost, because that's going to tell me a story of what their feet probably look like and what their limitations are. You know, if you don't believe me, you know, if you're a parent listening to this, ask your kid right now, take your shoes off, do a lunge, do a squat, balance on one foot. You know, typically it'll look pretty rough. And it's because their feet never touch the ground. And a lot of that is influenced because of their footwear. Footwear is huge. If you have a shoe that has a really high arch, most shoes, you know, your foot's like an inch or two off the ground, you're always walking on your tippy toes, which means you're always falling forward, which means your your center of mass has to shift so you don't fall forward. And that is going to disrupt just movement in general. You'll be more predisposed to a certain way of moving, which can help you athletically, but it can also... Um, hinder healthy movement resulting into an injury and the shoes play a huge role in that and then you look at shoes that have a narrow toe box meaning that the tip of the shoe is like a triangle and that can really affect performance it can affect foot health and it goes up the kinetic chain houses aren't built from the roof down they're built from the ground up same thing with human movement so it's important that you take pride in your footwear and i suggest that every athlete own a pair of wide toe box shoes. It doesn't mean you have to live in them 24-7, but I suggest that you buy wide toe box shoes with a low heel elevation. 
so your foot can breathe and you wear them, you know, maybe a few times a week, maybe if you're just traveling on a weekend tournament, right? And in addition to that, spend time barefoot, right? Your warm up, a lot of our athletes, they warm up barefoot, they'll do their extensive plyos barefoot, some will lift barefoot, but you know, when you start putting heavy loads, you know, where your feet have to support it, a lot of times feet aren't strong enough to handle 135, you know, 220, you know, they, they can't handle that, right? So you might just be driving, you know, a, a round peg in a square hole. But footwear is essential to improving overall movement health, but also performance too. Because if you strengthen your feet, everything up the kinetic chain will, will follow suit. Last but not least, something that I have, I have this conversation a ton. So what I see a lot is athletes who love to work out on their own or they're going to, you know, XYZ place or they have a high school strength and conditioning program. And this is me literally seeing their program, not assuming. I've seen and heard athletes' programs. And this isn't every strength coach. There's a lot of good strength coaches in Rochester. There's a lot of good people that know their stuff. Um, so, but in my experience and what athletes have told me what they do, their training is so different than their sport demand. And so when that occurs, you can find limitations in performances and you can find injuries occurring. And this usually stems from athletes who are older. If you're a young middle school athlete, usually you can do anything you want and it works, right? You can do bodybuilding splits, you can do arm day, chest day, leg day, back day, whatever you want. And usually for, you know, seventh, eighth grade, as long as your movement is okay and you haven't had a really bad injury, you know, a lot of times that will help and you're playing your sport. You know, so for young athletes, anytime you just do anything in the weight room consistently, it typically works. Make sure that you're, you know, stretching enough. Make sure that you're, you know, foam rolling, doing soft tissue work and balancing things out. But a lot of times it works. What I see from my older athletes are really love lifting. They really dive into bodybuilding splits or they take a name of a training, you know, modality and that's what they do, right? They're doing this bodybuilding split. So arm day, you know, they're doing leg day, they're doing chest day, doing shoulder day, they're doing back day. And that kind of training is so different than a very velocity-based, power-based sport. Basketball, um, football, um, and volleyball, right? Because you, you have to be fast in volleyball. You have to be fast in football. You have to be fast in basketball. But when you lift like a bodybuilder, you're lifting slow. And what you get is some kids that just want to be a bodybuilder, so they're lifting like it, but then they want to be good at a sport. But then they get stuck in this bodybuilding-looking pose. They're very bilateral. They're very stuck in the sagittal plane. They, everything moves in one unit. They turn their shoulder. They got to turn their hip. They got to turn their legs. Right? They can't keep their hips squared and turn their shoulder because they got no thoracic rotation. They got no hip separation, they got no shoulder mobility, they're stuck. And then when they try to sprint, right, they just look like a they just look like a boulder, right? They just look at a robot trying to run. And it's because their training does not mimic their sport. It does not mimic their goal. I've heard a lot of athletes that say, hey, I want to run faster. And what do they do? Well, they go on Monday it's chest day, on Tuesday it's back day, on Wednesday it's leg day, on Thursday it's arm day. On Friday, it's shoulder day. On Saturday, it is probably chest day again because we all love chest, right? So that does not mimic sport at all. You know, so we get, I see some football players do it, some volleyball players do it, you know, right? They, once a football season ends, they just lift like a bodybuilder. They got biggest can be, and they no longer do sprints. Volleyball players, you know, right? They may practice two times a week and go to a weekend tournament, but then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're lifting like a bodybuilder. And 
if the if the training gets so far away from the, the the demands of the sport, you find yourself you know getting injured because you're doing something for you know anywhere from you know five to eight hours a week that's so different from your sport that you're doing you know depending on the season. If you're in the off season, you know volleyball goes four hours a week of practice and then the weekend tournaments. So you might be playing for you know, another eight hours, but then you're training different modalities of movement that can disrupt your performance, right? So chest day is not great for any athlete because you just don't use your chest, right? You can do upper and lower days and that'll help. So this topic is about you know, making sure that your training mimics your sport at all times throughout the year. It doesn't mean that you can't do bodybuilding like movements. It just means that try to be an athlete all the time, right? You're going you're gonna to limit the volume of the athletic movement. But if you want to get faster, you know, and you're a basketball player, you should be sprinting once to twice a week in the off season. And then once you get closer to the season, you know, either ramp that up or pull back a little bit based on how much you're on the court. If you're a volleyball player and need to gain weight, Right, you should still be doing some volleyball-like athletic movements, but then spending time gaining weight. Right, just because your biceps get bigger doesn't mean that you actually gained weight. So there may be a disruption in your in your approach to achieving your goal. Um, you know, so those are those five topics. Right, the first one, stretch goals. You know, shoot for the stars, shoot for the moons. What do you have to lose? But make sure that you're doing those things that are going to help you achieve your goals. Number two, um, you know, youth sports. You know, make sure athletes understand that, right, next play. It's not the end of the world if you do mess up. You know, help athletes figure out how they messed up, but don't overcoach them 24-7 to where it's constant anxiety. But then don't also always let athletes play sports, play games, play sports all the time, but don't always let them play games to the point where, like, it's hard for them to show up because they always have another game, right? So the first game, they go hard. The second game, it's 50%. The third game, it's 50%. The fourth game you know, maybe 75%. The last game, they're gas at 0%, right? Then it desensitizes this idea of, sen- of the sense of urgency. The third one, footwear. Take pride in your footwear, 100%. Take pride in your footwear. I'm sorry, the fourth one, you know, wide toe box shoes, low heel arch. And then the last one, make sure your training all year round somewhat mimics your, your, your sport, Right. Unless you're, you know, D1 athletes, you know, typically play their sport all year round. So that's where your training may not have to exactly mimic it. This is where you may add in some med ball throws, some light extensive plyos and then go into the weight room where your weight room could be more force driven, could be more power driven, you know, something along those lines. But high school athletes, I think high school athletes always need to be implementing some some dosage of athleticism. They shouldn't just go in the weight room and it's straight leg day, straight arm day. Um, you know, it shouldn't only just be circuits, right? It should be some level of athleticism, extensive, intensive plyos, med ball throws, something that's going to get the central nervous system prime, something that's going to help them get stronger and faster, something that's going to, you know, build, um, build up the weak muscles. Uh, I hope that, you know, brought everything to in full circle for you. You know, like I said, 2022 has been a great year. I'm super pumped for 2023 and what it has to offer. Um, you know, have a great new year and, you know, I look forward to the, this next year of podcasting and training my athletes and sharing what we're doing. Have a great day.